The Magic Book Club Podcast. Hello, it's the Magic Book Club podcast. My name's Tom Price. Welcome along. We've got a brilliant episode for you today. We've got a lady called Jane Harper joining us all the way from New York. Down the line, guys. That's how big and international this author is. Um, She descended upon us a couple of years ago with her first book, The Dry, set in the outback in Australia. And she kind of redefined this, this whole Aussie noir genre. And it's magnificent. Her books are ridiculously readable. The characters are May, fantastically portrayed um, and uh, yeah she's a Brit who moved out to Australia anyway enough of me waffling on about her let's actually talk to her shall we what is it now Jane three or four years ago when did your first book land yeah it came out in the UK in uh, January 2017 so only a couple of years right okay so um, also I've just looked at your Wikipedia and you were born in the same year as me you're the same age as me Jane and you've done three amazing books and I'm jealous <laughs> thank you it's, it's, it's really fun. I mean, you get the opportunity to write the books. I mean, I loved working on them. And, you know, I'm really happy that people respond to them and enjoy reading them. They really do. Okay, so here's the thing. So I've just got back from the dentist, right? I have dashed in here to Magic Towers to be here to talk to you. Um, and when I was waiting to go in, my, it was my hygienist, in fact, Jane. Um, she, <laughs> she came out and she's a very striking Swedish lady. I'm not going to do her accent. And I was reading The Lost Man. And she went, oh, is that the new one? <gasps> and she was... Really excited to see the brand new book. How cool is that? Oh, that's so fantastic. And I think I think for all of the books, you know, The Drive, Force of Nature and The Lost Man, they've all been translated into foreign languages, which I think is such an exciting thing to be able to kind of tell, you know, this Australian story and have it resonate with people who've never been to Australia and live very different lives. So I'm really happy that they kind of, you know, can find things in the books and the stories that they relate to. Yeah, absolutely. And that you, that, that Australian landscape, that is that is a huge starting point for all of these books, isn't it? Yeah, I think for me, it really is. I mean, I think, you know, for a writer, the Australian landscape is like an absolute gift. You know, there's so um, so much on offer. It's really diverse. It's got that kind of great mix of beauty and brutality. So you have this you know, incredible backdrop if things can go wrong really quickly. Um, so it's a perfect kind of settings for, you know, books with a bit of mystery and suspense like The Lost Man is. Mm. You've kind of... You feel like an ambassador for this Australian noir genre. How does that feel when you see other books that are perpetuating what you've started? Are you kind of like, hey, get off my territory, you? Oh, look, you know, there's, there's so much space in the world for so many books, you know, and I think um, anything that you know, encourages people to read is a great thing if you find books you enjoy, you know, and um, and I think you know, if, if sort of international readers are learning a bit more about, you know, I guess the side of Australia that's not just, you know, Bondi Beach and the Sydney Harbour Bridge, um, you know, that's great. I mean, it's, it's such a diverse country and it's got a, you know, a lot of really kind of interesting people and issues and, um, you know, and places. So... Anything that kind of shines a bit of a spotlight on that, I would welcome. Yeah, it's an incredibly evocative spotlight. And it is, you're right, you know, taking that, taking those parts of the world where uh, people have their societies and their towns and their communities all set up, but yet there's a very thin line between that and, and all hell breaking loose. And that is something, it's very enticing for a reader to, to go there. Yeah, and I think it's something I really like to explore in the books, you know, I mean, I mean, when I was researching The Lost Man, I went out to um, Outback Queensland, which is where it's set, and mm-hmm. um, I went um, on this like kind of epic road trip with this retired police officer who'd worked in this outback town, and he'd, um, he'd his, his, for 10 years, he'd policed an area the size of the UK single-handedly. That's crazy. So you can just kind of imagine like you know, how, how foreign that lifestyle is to like anybody you know you've ever met really and um and and I think one of the things that really sort of um struck me was was firstly the quite how harsh the landscape was you know I I, 
it really is sort of very very easy for for um you know people to get into quite difficult situations um you know without some um, really straying too far off the beaten path um but secondly just the way the kind of the dynamics and the psychology and emotion of work of living and working somewhere so isolated and what had it done to that man to that to that police inspector who'd spent all that time had it had it hardened him had it made him cynical or what what kind of guy had he become because of that that land well he he was he was a, I, I think he was always um he'd always been a very safe pair of hands i think was the impression i got i think if you i remember sitting in the car and thinking you know if there's only one police officer in an area the size of the UK that you can call on, I would be pretty glad if it was if it was him. So, yeah, he's um, going to be good. I, and, I, and I think he, a lot of it is, um, you know, in in those towns where you're so, um, you know, you're so cut off and you, you've really only got the same people to talk to. So much of it is about handling those relationships really carefully and making sure that, you know, issues don't um, don't fester and don't kind of um, blow up um, through lack of communication because I think that's when you know that's when things can start to turn bad. And that's a big part of all three of your books, isn't it? That idea of, of uh, sort of gossip and, and reputation and how people in a small town, any small community, everyone knows everyone's business. And when these things happen, everything can implode very quickly. Yeah, and I think for me, I mean, my books. Um, so I mean, they're all Australian mysteries, and and they're all. Um, you know, they also have, a, I guess, a, a crime or an incident at the centre of them. But for me, um, you know, I mean, particularly in The Lost Man, the the yeah, the, I, the the crime, I guess, is, is often just the catalyst. And that's not the most important thing for me. The the thing I'm most interested in is the how, you know, a traumatic event can um, impact so many people and that kind of ripple effect in a community. Mm. Um, and that's really what I kind of enjoy exploring in all, in all three books. Yeah, and let's let's hook people in, shall we, with The Lost Man, because obviously The, the Dry was your first book. Um, is that right the Right way around? Dry was first and Force of Nature second? That's it, isn't it? That's it, yeah. Um, and I love both those books. Now, The Lost Man, everyone is saying this. When I've looked at all the reviews, there's a thing, everyone goes, uh, guys, this is kind of her best one so far. Like, everyone <laughs> loves this. I'm so excited to read it. So can you give us a kind of sense of what we're looking at as we open this book and as we begin yeah sure so I mean I have to say I, I actually loved writing this book it was an absolute joy from start to finish it was so interesting um, for me to write it research it and kind of pull it together um, what it is it's um, so it's an Australian mystery like The Dry and Force of Nature but this one is a standalone novel it's set in outback Queensland um, and it centres um, around the uh, the death of one of three brothers who live on um, we call them cattle stations they're these huge properties you know they sort of stretch over hundreds and hundreds of miles um, he's an outback man. He knows the land. He knows what to do to keep himself safe. And he's found dead in um, quite unusual circumstances, just of exposure in the middle of nowhere, which is, is very unusual for him. And it's about his um, his brothers and his family's um, search, really, to to find what you know what led him there. And and um, and it's, it's a lot about his, this uh, yeah this family in this very isolated setting. And they seem very uh, they don't seem very. Uh how can I put this, emotionally over the top at the beginning. There's a lot between the lines. That, that space between the lines is incredibly loaded, certainly early doors in this book. Yeah, well, I, I, thank you. Like, I, I try to sort of capture that kind of, um, dare I say, like Australian blokey, I don't know, lack of, um, uh, you know, they have a lot, they don't have a lot to say to each other sometimes. You know, they sort of, sort of keep their cards quite close to their chest. And I think that was something I really wanted to capture, that kind of authenticity of the... Um, I guess the interactions between people who are very used to going long stretches of time without speaking to people. You yeah, know, they, like authors. They, they, yeah, I suppose so. We spend a lot of time alone as well. So, do you find that? Do you ever do you ever feel like you're turning into your characters when you're spending this much time with them? 
you know, for this book, for The Lost Man, I did actually get really, um, the, the characters really got under my skin and I felt like um, I was thinking about them constantly, you know, and um, and even now the books are well and truly finished. You know, I still I still do think about them a lot, actually. Um, I think, yeah, particularly Nathan Bright, who is the eldest brother and the main character, we yeah. see everything unfold really through his eyes. And um, I think I'm sort of, I guess, unpacking his, his backstory and his um, sort of discovering a bit more about what made him the man he is when we meet him in the book was really interesting for me when I was writing this book. It is hilarious, the opening. I mean, hilarious is possibly the wrong word, but (laughs) one of their brothers is dead, right? And the other two are just like, oh... Oh, you seem you seem to have a dead brother here. Like it's, I don't know. It just it feels like completely feasible. There's a very dark humour there. I don't know. It just that, that is exactly how I can imagine that kind of man coping with something as traumatic and sudden as that. Yeah, and I think I think just um, you know it, it, the sort of they're out in this this really very harsh terrain. You know, which I mean, it has got the better of so many people and is so foreign to to so many of us. But for them, you know, it's kind of. Outback men, it's it's um you know it's day to day life for them, and they um you know and they and they 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 sort of you know for them it's completely normal. And I think that was something I wanted to capture as well that you know this is this may seem very foreign for us as readers, but for them this is their lives, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it feels very, very real. It feels very feasible. The whole thing. And what I um, also love about although any any noir book it tends to be so you've been compared. You're getting a lot of comparisons to Lee Child. We'll probably end up talking about that at some stage. But when I got into the Jack Reacher series, I got really interested in the Americana of it. When I read the Scandi noir stuff, I get really interested in Scandinavia. And it's interesting how this this book has shone a light on the landscape of Australia. And I'm wondering, I mean, I'm, this is going to make me sound incredibly ignorant now, but how many books have done that? How much literature is there that really digs in, and certainly contemporary literature, that digs into Australia and looks at land, that landscape and starts from that place? Yeah, I think I think within Australia, there's you know there's quite a lot. I mean, I think if you go to you know a bookshop in Melbourne or Sydney, um, you'd find shelves and shelves of Australian literature. So why has yours punched um, through them? Why has this come, become so international so quickly? Well, I think, um, I mean, for me, like, I mean, I can only really sort of go by what, you know, the feedback I get from readers and, um, you know, and I, I think I think people have, um, I guess they haven't, they've really enjoyed, you know, having a, a sort of a sense, of, I suppose, of that foreign exotic territory. But at the same time, one thing I'm really conscious of when I'm writing is that, you know, I want to make the books um, sort of have, have sort of universal appeal that people can can you know relate to and respond to regardless of whether they've ever been even been to Australia and I think it's about tapping into those emotions and those human connections yes, um, yes, yes. you know that we can all relate to so yes, um, I mean that's what readers say to me a lot anyway yeah you, the, the humans and their story drags us in and we sort of look up and see what the landscape is and then we love the landscape as well it's you're right of course it's the the people that really get us interested and that is that's definitely happening here with the lost man it looks like a fabulous book um Jane, the other thing we should talk about, and there is a Lee Child comparison here, because I, and I interviewed him two weeks ago. He was a Brit, and he's now gone to America. Um, and I, I'm sure he would still count himself as a Brit, but I believe he's taken American citizenship. And you're kind of, there's a similar thing, right? You are, in a sense, you were you are British, right? You were born in Britain, or are you now an Australian citizen? Yeah, so, um, so I'm both, actually. I've got dual nationality. Um, and I was, yeah, I was born in the UK in Manchester. Uh-huh. Um, and then um, I lived in Australia when I was, um, moved over as a child with my family. I lived there until I was 14. So I was there for some quite formative years, you know. Right. Um, a lot of my sort of childhood memories of Australia. Then uh, I moved back to the UK and did sort of secondary school and university and worked for a few years as a, as a print journalist. And then I moved back to Australia in 2008. So what, what, drew you, what drew you back to Australia in 2008? 
just I think I think just the um, like a lot of people r- real just sort of fascination with the country. You know, I mean, I mean, I had these childhood memories which um, you know were very you know were very enjoyable, and and I think um, I was sort of keen to revisit that. But more, I think as an adult, I just was you know it seemed it seems like a great place with a great lifestyle. And I have to say, you know, it is like it's a, it's yeah. a great place to live. So, um, but I think it's really helped me having those you know, um, with, when I was writing the books because I had these memories of, of the country and then some time away. And then when I came back, I was able to look at the landscape and the the people and the way, you know, the the, the kind of um, words and language they use in a sort of very different way with quite fresh eyes. And I right, think so it's the same, really that, is that me. Lee Child thing, isn't it? It's that outsider, even though you're an insider, even though, you know, you're an Australian citizen, you've still got something about you that's an outsider, haven't you? I think, Yeah, I think a little bit, yeah, exactly. And it, it kind of gives you that sort of slightly... Um, observational um, advantage um, yeah. where, you know, it's not something, you know, you appreciate what it is that makes that country unique to itself mm. um, and ideally try and sort of capture that on the page. Yeah, you've done that and sold it to the world. It's amazing. I love them. <laughs> um, so the dry and force of nature, um, you've got Aaron Falk in it, of course. Yeah. So he is not in The Lost Man. No, but so I like not, him. I, li- I, I wanted him in it. Why have you? Why have you done that to me? Uh, no, no. I, well, I like him too. And I mean, gosh, you know, I owe him so much. You know, he's um, you know, he's 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 done a lot for me. And um, and you know, I do, and I love writing about him. Um, the main reason I didn't really was because you know he's um an investigator, a financial investigator based in Melbourne, which is a city coastal town. And I knew that this, so early on, this book was going to be set in a you know the far flung outback largely centred around one family. And I, I just knew, you know, there was no sort of realistic way to get him there unless he was on some sort of four-wheel driving holiday and then I just stumble across his <laughs> like, body. Like you know? Miss Marple so, always wandering around. Exactly, murder, murder she wrote. It gets, it gets a bit sort of, right. um, it gets a little bit fantasy, I feel. So, um, so, and I knew I really wanted to explore the dynamics of this one sort of immediate family. So it was quite an easy decision for me to um, let him sit this one out. How early um, on did you decide to do that in the book? Were you writing, were you like two chapters in and you thought, actually, no, he can't come. Sorry, Aaron, you're off, you're cancelled. Um, you know, I decided before I even started planning. Like, I, I, knew, I knew sort of the story I wanted to tell and I knew the kind of dynamics I wanted to play out. So even like sort of very early on when I sat down and started planning it, um, mm. I knew it was going to be centred more around, you know, Nathan and his family. And, um, you know, and I think, um, you know, but I absolutely would, um, you know, it, it was so much fun to kind of write these new characters and sort of build them from scratch and mm. be able... Because you always want to get, have the best character for the story. I mean, that's the main thing I focus on. Like, what, who's going to be the best person to let the reader experience this? Do you ever change um, your mind when you've, you've got the best person? Do you ever sort of start and think, actually, no, Nathan's not right here? Or, do you, you know, how flexible are you once you're up and running? So when I'm doing the planning stages, um, I'm quite flexible because that's when I sort of try out, like, a lot of different ideas. And the characters are always very unformed at that stage so they're very sort of loose so I kind of roughly know maybe their position in the family like I wouldn't even assign them names at that stage right. um, so okay. there's a lot of moving parts and it's more about I try a lot of different things and then sort of when I find something that um, works it just sort of feels like it clicks and it makes a lot of other things make sense and I almost sort of can't imagine it any other way so that's the kind of feeling I'm looking for when I'm planning. It must be an amazing moment when it does click. It really is, yeah. It's, it's such a relief as well. You're sort of trying all these things, and you know, is this, am I going down the right path? What about this? What about this? And then suddenly you're like, oh, of course, you mm. know, and it's, and it's great. And it just sort of feels like the whole, 
you could feel it kind of strengthen a story and, and pull in a lot of threads. And, um, yeah, and I'm sort of constantly searching for that at every stage, you know, in the planning and the writing and the editing. I'm always kind of looking for that thing that I think, yes, that's that's exactly the right piece that I need at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Aaron Falk, just sorry, I just to, just to revisit this. <laughs> I do really like him. And um, I'm just looking at your... Twitter account at Jane Author, uh, Jane Harper Orth, right? That's you on Twitter? Just yeah, that's right. Jane Harper Author was too many letters. So I uh, really, <laughs> Jane Harper Orth, really catchy, Jane. Great social media, guys. Well done, team. Um, and I see your pin tweet is about the movie versions of the dress. Can we talk about that? Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, so if you're, if you're missing your sort of Aaron Fork fix, um, first I will say I, will, I would return to him in future books, by the way. I, I think it's just about finding that right kind of vehicle good. for him. But that was my next question. Meantime, Thank you. Yes, good. <laughs> yeah. um, in the meantime, um, you can, um, uh, yes, look out for... Um, some um yeah the movie is going to is being made so it's 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 actually like it's it's you know it's happening there's boots on the ground um it's, they're starting filming in um in march in victoria very actually very close to the kind of region where the book was set so the the town in the dry is fictional but they're filming in the the same sort of geographic region um, and starring Eric Banner as Aaron Fork. Who's, That's great um, news. That is great amazing. news. That, that really works. Did you have any say in that? Well, they did discuss it with me before, um, you know, when they sort of were, were hoping to get him and, um, you know, asked like what I thought. And, and I said, you know, of course, I think he'd be great. I mean, he's such a... Yeah, he's he's a real um, he's a wonderful Australian actor. He's um, absolutely beloved, you know, yes. in Australia, um, and I think and, and worldwide, you know, and he's and he's got this international appeal as well. And I think he's someone that people can warm to, which is exactly what you want for the character. Someone who people can who absolutely will capture that spirit, and people can get behind and really, you know, follow him through the story. Yeah, he was in the castle. Do you remember? The, did you ever watch the castle? Yes, that's right. Yes, oh, yeah, so yeah, a few years ago. Now that, yeah, yeah, but he's been all sorts of things like. Uh, uh, the, the Time Traveller's Wife, Troy, Hulk uh, as well. Yes. So he's done some serious movies. So this is going to be a pretty seriously big film. Uh, how do you feel about your baby being turned into a movie? Are you, have you looked over the script? Have you got any rights to look at it? Or do they just say, bye-bye, Jane, thanks for writing it, all the best? Um, so, yes, really my, my only... Um I'm not directly involved. Yeah, my my kind of contribution was really writing the book. Um, but they do keep in touch and, and you know and um and let me know you know what they're thinking and um just you know out of courtesy really and um but um yeah sort of being sort of kept informed about sort of key things along the way. They invited me um, really kindly to the production offices um the other week, mm-hmm. and I saw um. Really, you know, really great sort of photos of the settings they found. They're, they're not building any sets; they're using authentic streets and pub and oh, great, farms and great, things. So, yes. and um, a sort of kind of color schemes and the the sort of I guess the atmosphere and the mood they're sort of going for in these in these kind of photographic um, collections. And I, I I was really impressed by the the authenticity. And I thought visually, it absolutely um, captured what I think that town is like as well. So the dry is very drought-stricken. It's this kind of community under huge amounts of pressure. Um, and, yeah, I think it's um, it's really, you, you know, I could see that in the in the photos they showed me. So um, it's exciting. I'm going to go up to sets um, in in March and, and see it in action. That's so, that'll, so cool. That'll be really good. And also, yeah. the ca- have they cast the whole thing yet? I mean, do you go in, because in production offices, they have all the spotlight photographs. They have all the black and white uh, posh photos of all the actors. And I always think that must be amazing as a writer to walk into that office and think, oh my, they've populated my brain with actual human beings. 
Yeah, they have. I mean, they've um, the casting is still um, was was still being finalised when I was in there. But um, there's um, this wonderful actor actor called Genevieve O'Reilly is playing Gretchen. Yes. Um, and um, I think she'll be she's um, Irish Australian, I believe. So um, it's great they've got like a you know Australian character, you know, actors playing the the Australian characters, and um, and she'll be wonderful. I think. Um, Again, she she'll really sort of capture that character, you know, really um beautifully. And they've yeah. shown me some pictures of some of the younger, um, to the younger the children who play, um, you know, play um Aaron Fork and Gretchen as as their teenage selves. And mm-hmm. the likeness is uncanny. You know, I think um, I think that they they really have um have, have really thought hard about the casting. So so exciting. And so if it's filming in March, it'll be out in about twenty thirty, won't it? It always takes ages. <laughs> I think it, it, I think it's a pretty long process. I think they were hoping to have completed all the edits by the end of 2019, and okay. then it'll be up to the distributors to, um, yeah, set the, the you know the the um, release date. So um, watch this space, I guess. By which point, Jane, you will have written about another six books. So that is the next question. <laughs> I assume you've got book number four lined up in your brain, or is it even is it being typed as we speak? How, how close are you to finishing that? So I'm just starting the planning stages of that. Really, what I do, I spend quite a long time. Um, planning before oh, you're I start a, writing. You're a planner, are you? Because we had Lee Childs, yeah. right? And I don't want to compare you too much to Lee Childs, although actually you probably do want to be compared to him because he's sold a gazillion <laughs> books. But he, If they carry on. Yeah. yeah, right. But he very much sits there and is like, oh, what's going to happen now? I don't really know. Let's just find out what happens, which I find terrifying. Mm, yeah, I've, I've heard him speak and, and I've heard him talk about his writing style. And um, I have to say, I find it, I, I'm sort of, I get sort of anxious sweats just listening to him, you know, because um, I mean, you know, you, you ask authors and they all say that everybody has a different way. But I mean, for me, my, I would say my way is very um, different to that um, in that I spend, um, I mean, for The Lost Man, I spent four months planning and researching and I, I had this huge kind of outline and I knew exactly what where the story was going to go. Wow, um, without, without a word written chapter. No, yeah, I mean, so I mean, I, 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 just because I find it for me, I mean, I, I laid the whole thing out sort of, you know, in, in, in sort of its structural form, chapter by chapter, and then I can... Yeah, I just find it easier to move things, drop things, cut things. It's a lot easier in planning form than when you've written 50,000 words, for, you know, I find. And then it means when I finally am happy with it and I feel it's solid and it's it's where I you know, want it to be, mm. then when I start writing, the writing process itself is actually very quick because I, I just know, okay, today's chapter six, here's what happens in chapter six. And I can kind of focus then on the the actual writing, you know, how am I going to express it and what kind of language I'm going to use and yeah. um, without having to worry too much about the plot at that stage. So if it takes you, like you're saying, four months to plan a book, and these books don't just come about just by sitting down and Googling stuff, you've got to go and see things and visit things and all that sort of thing. Um, with The Dry, when was the moment where you thought, right, I'm going to stop what I'm doing and I'm going to start writing a book? How did that come about? So um, The Dry was sort of... Um, so because The Dry was my debut, that was um, I started that in 2000 and late 2014, and I was still working full-time as a newspaper journalist then. So... Um, uh, I had to, um, yeah, the whole the whole thing, and I didn't really know how to write a book, you know, so a lot of it was kind of trial and error um, and a lot of it was just about finding that kind of consistency to, you know, to, to, to try and um, work on it while you've got other commitments like full-time work and family, you know, commitments. So um, I sort of, um, with that one I planned as well, but I was more of a, um, I did start writing and planning at the same time, so I knew where it was going to go, but... Right. Um, it was it was more of a sort of an organic process, um, and I used to just plan like a little bit ahead of the time, so I wasn't kind of writing completely into the dark. And I knew the overall arc, so I knew where the story was going to end. Yeah. Um, 
and and I and I set myself um you know like a deadline that um I was going to complete sort of um as many drafts as I could and get in the best shape I could within six months because I knew they had um an unpublished manuscript competition running about that time every year and I thought I'm going to uh-huh. enter that just to try and get some feedback. Okay, so, and did you and how did that competition go? Is that how this came about because of that competition? Yes, and yes, yeah, so oh. I, I um I entered just to get some feedback and then I actually won that competition. Oh, you smashed so, it, Joe! Um, you smashed it! Yes, unbelievable. <laughs> So it was really on the back of that then that I got um, I got a lot of agent and publisher interest and um, it was really sort of the catalyst for um, yeah that um, the next step for me. Um, but I mean for each book, I mean for the dry and the force of nature and then the lost man, I've um, the writing process has kind of evolved a bit because you you know you you've come more used to it and you get to sort of um, cherry pick I guess the things that work for you and what's most efficient. Um, to get the words on the page, and for me, I found very much that the um, the time spent planning say, saves me so much time later on, and it makes me feel so much more, um, you know, confident that the the plot is there. You know, because mm. it, for me, that's the most important thing: knowing that that kind of underlying plot is solid, and that and that will sort of stand up to scrutiny. It must be a great moment when you think, yeah, that's really exciting. Because these are, oh, it's an annoying phrase, but they are page turners. You don't want to put these books down because you, you have got a knack of, of hooking people in. And when, So when you get that moment in your head where you go, oh, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. He's going he's gonna to move around following the sun. That's brilliant. That must be uh, an incredible buzz when those things happen, right? Yeah, it is. It is because for, for sometimes, you know, you're sitting there for ages thinking, you know, what can I, how can, like, how, I'm always thinking, how can I best tell this? You know, like I kind of know what I need to happen in this scene. Um, like I know um, what the reader needs to get out of it. Um, and I know the kind of, um, you, you know, the, the point that I want to make in this chapter. Like, you know, I try and make sure that everything in there drives the story forward and is, is there for a reason. Mm. But then within that, there's lots of different ways you can tell that scene. You know, I mean, there's, there, you know, there's lots of different ways things can play out and, between which characters and, and in what way. And it's, um, you know, and some will be better than others. And I think it's about trying to, like, find that best one. And sometimes you'll have something, you'll think, yeah, that's, you know, that's pretty good, that'll do. And then, you know, suddenly the, be- you know, the better idea will present itself. And, and then it's about kind of, um, you know, refining it and making sure it's that best idea that ends up on the page in the end. Yeah. But it, it is such a great feeling, you know, when you're sort of thinking, you know, thinking, what, what can I do here? And then an idea kind of, strikes and um you know it just it just feels right and you feel yes this is exactly what these characters will be doing at this moment just using your instincts following your instincts and these instincts really work i mean we are talking we haven't even mentioned this we are talking to you you're in new york as we speak uh talking to a uh, london-based book club uh, and you're from australia so it's fair to say these have gone quite international How, how how cool is new york Oh, it's great! Yeah, well, actually, I only um, I only just arrived here because I've been um, on a five city book tour um, here in the states, which okay. has um, been so fun. It's gone really well. Um, you got to meet like loads of you know, US readers. Um, I bet they're going to so, love your stuff, aren't they? Well, it's actually yeah, like a lot of um, yeah. I mean, the people who've come to the events have been so enthusiastic, and I think a lot of the. I th- yeah, I think like I was mentioning before, a lot of the issues are kind of things that they um, they relate to, you know, yeah. kind of um, rural, you know, the difficulties of living in a sort of a rural area or, um, you know, living in sort of a, quite a, a, a huge country, you know, with with a lot of isolated hotspots and mm. um, and I guess sort of just the the characters, um, I think, are people they they've sort of been able to relate to quite well. So um, it, uh, yeah, it's, and 
yeah, it's it's great. It's so it's so great to sort of because you write the books because you want people to enjoy them. So when they come out and make, you have to come out to the events and tell you they enjoy them, it's it's really special. You tell great stories, Jane. It's really really great to talk to you. Genuinely, I'm a huge fan. I think you're brilliant. And where do you go after New York? Then, if you, does this does this international tour continue, or do you go back to Oz? No, so this is yeah, this is the end of my um, American um, journey and um, heading back to Australia, and um, then hopefully, um, so details haven't sort of been finalised yet, but hopefully we'll get out to the UK sometime this year. Oh, great! So, Good. Um, yeah. So, Drop by, oh, please come and see us at Magic. I'll play you a song. Yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> yeah, <thank laughs> um, and uh, let's just very quickly before we lose you, I've got a couple of sort of standard questions that we have to ask our authors when they come on the book club podcast. Um, first of all, when you are writing, where do you write? So I write, um, so I'm a full-time author now, um, which is great. Um, so I get to kind of choose my own um, you know, working style. Um, I have a, a little office above a cafe um, oh, where nice. I walk to and I work there. It sounds more exciting than it is, though. It's honestly the most um, boring room you can imagine. It's got nothing nothing in it except a desk and a computer and um boxes of foreign editions of the dry yeah (laughs) it's so strange to get a foreign edition of your book and think oh this is amazing i'm going to oh no i can't look at it because i don't understand a word (laughs) meaningless to me meaningless um uh, so are you easily distracted when you're sitting in your room above a cafe no i'm not and I, i think it's um that's one thing that really helps me going there so there's there's nothing really in there to distract me um you know, and I, I don't even, I don't really do anything else. I, I just sit there and I write and I don't, I barely even do emails. Like I don't look at my phone. I don't go online. Like I just sit there and and, um, and work. That um, explains why you're like, managing to bang a book out every year because every <laughs> other author I've spoken to is like, oh, and I'm on Twitter the whole time. No, I, yeah, no, I absolutely never go on social media in there. Not, not once. And I think, I think a lot of it, I think a lot of the discipline comes from because um, I was a journalist for thirteen years, you know, and and so I was really used to kind of sitting down at a computer and writing words under pressure to deadline. Mm. Um, and I really I try and sort of tap into that kind of newsroom mentality when I'm on my own and, and sort of you know make, take advantage of that discipline that I built up over those years. Yeah, and of um, course, no, when I'm in, in that room, I'm really focused. Yeah, yeah. That, well, that's good. That's a good thing. And do you <laughs> like, obviously we are a, a music radio station here at Magic. Do you listen to music when you're writing? Yeah, I do actually. Um, although I can only, um, I find I can only listen to things um, music without lyrics because I find um, having the sort of words in my ear is is a bit distracting. Um, yes. So I listen to a lot of kind of, um, yeah, you know, sort of generic piano kind of sort of um, lounge music, I, I guess, yeah. um, which I've actually grown quite fond of. I think. That's weird. I'm now imagining it's sort of lift music that you... It's, it's not unlike that, to be honest. <laughs> You're writing these really dark books about awful, gruesome murders. Do-do-do-do. That's great. Uh, that's a nice image. And uh, Jane, who's the one person who's allowed to interrupt you when you are scribing your masterpieces? Oh gosh, um, you know sometimes I do put my phone on um, Do Not Disturb, and the only people who can get through like, my my husband Peter can get through, mm-hmm. and my child's daycare centre can get through, um, and that's about the only two. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty limited list. Yeah, the daycare centre call, the nursery calls always they're at high, they're absolutely fine, but they then it begins. There's a temperature. Oh God! Oh God! No. <laughs> right. um, Jane Harper, I'm so pleased you joined us on the book club. Uh, your new book, The Lost Man, is out now. When can we expect the fourth, please? 
Oh, soon, hopefully. I'll be. I'm, I'm working on that sort of as we speak. Do so, we have a title? Um, Do we have a title? We don't at this stage. It's still in its planning stage. The title tends to come quite late, actually, so okay. we might be waiting a little while for that. I'd like to, 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 to see how, what it looks like and then think, you know, what, what would be the best way to capture this? All right, very nice, very nice. Um, and also, can you do me a favour? As you're in Australia, in a ta- there's a town, how narcissistic is this? There's a town in Western Australia called Tom Price, which is my name. So if you oh. could visit Tom Price for me, I'd really appreciate that. If I ever get out of Tom Price, I'll absolutely take a photo and I'll yes. send it to you. All right. Well, I'm following you on Twitter, so you can do just that. Uh, Jane, thanks so much for joining us. Have an amazing rest of tour and uh, hopefully we'll see you soon here at Magic. Oh, thank you so much. There you go. The brilliant Jane Harper. The Lost Man is out now. I cannot recommend it enough. Um, thank you so much for downloading this. If you enjoy these podcasts, by the way, while we've got you, if you could uh, rate and review, we'd love it. It would make such a difference. Um, thank you very much for that. And we'll be back soon. We've got the fantastic Harriet Tice, uh, who's got a brand new book out called Blood Orange. She's going to be joining us next time here on the Magic. Magic Book Club podcast. For more details and for lists of all the books that we review and talk about here on this podcast, uh, just head over to magic.co.uk. Cheerio now. 